Good morning, guys. My name's Aaron, if I've never met you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. It's great to see you guys' faces. I love that, like, this is a little bit of the kingdom of heaven. Everyone wearing their own team, and no one's, like, actually, like, each other's throats yet. So, right, like, I saw, like, one Vikings fan in the back. I won't point him out, so bummer, dude. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, my name's Aaron. I'm excited to teach or tell you a little bit about what I've learned uh, about over the last couple of weeks and been studying and, and looking at what this is. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you about my friend uh, that I met named Adam. Uh, about eight years ago, I lived in Santa Cruz, California. It was probably the best place I ever lived in my life. It was right along the ocean. It was sunny. We were in like this giant house. Um, the only problem was it cost like, you had to have three full-time jobs to have like a, a closet there. So I didn't think God was calling me there. Um, and so I moved out. But while I was there for that one year, um, I had this group of friends, this group of guys that was just like, you were at the right place at the right time. Like God knew what he was doing. One of those guys that I met, his name was Adam. Now Adam was a graphic designer. And if you don't know what that is, um, he, like, makes designs, makes, uh, like, drawings and stuff for the internet and for websites and books and stuff. But I had never really, like, known much about the graphic design world. And so, all of a sudden, he started to tell me and teach me about it. But even more nerdy than that, he loves something called typography, which is literally how things look when they're printed on materials. Okay, so this guy was like super nerd, and he, like, he would geek out on fonts, and he'd be like, oh, look at that font, like that's inappropriate, why would you use that font in that situation? And I was like, yeah, it, not, not joking, okay? And I was like, what, what is this guy? And so he was so passionate about this, he started to tell me things, he's like, Aaron, you really should use this font here, it's a bold font, and that means, and I was like, this is weird, but I started to get excited about it. We'd start to go to like uh, this, uh, this library or this bookstore we had in town, and we would look at books, and he would say, I don't really care about the content. I just love the layout of how this guy laid out this book. And I was like, this is so weird. It was so different from anything I'd ever known before. But all of a sudden, I realized that I started to, to like it as well because he was so excited about it, right? His kind of excitement and passion started to rub off on me where he would quiz me and be like, hey, on like a menu, he'd be like, hey, Aaron, do you know this font? It's pretty popular. I'd be like, oh yeah, that's this. It's Century Gothic. Oh my goodness. And then I was like, no, I've turned into one of him. Like, this is so bad, right? Um, and it, it was weird and, and I love it and I love Adam and, and his passion and his heart and he's still uh, living for that kind of nerdy lifestyle. But um, it, what's funny is that we have these things that we're passionate about, Right? You have something that you're super passionate about, maybe a book or like a food or a restaurant. Like I have a five-point scale for burritos, so we could talk about that sometime, like uh, the size, the taste, the salsa, um, like how fast they deliver, and if they have drive-through, big bonus points there, <laughs> all right? Like, so, right, we have these things that we're passionate about. Maybe you have that show on Netflix right, that you can't miss, or like the, ser the series drops and you watch the whole thing in one night, you're like, it's like somehow it's physically impossible, you, but you do it, right? Or you find someone that has like the same passion, that same show they love, and your eyes get big and you're like, oh yeah, look, like that was awesome, that happened last week, it was so exciting, I can't believe it, and then someone will come and be like, I don't really like that show, and you're like, well, you're an idiot, okay, like this is the reason why you should love it, right? And you just have this passion, 
And I think that's a big thing for us today with our, like, our sports, right? We have this passion for these teams, and we just love to share with other people uh, what we're passionate about. And it can be so easy to share about the things we love about, right? It's not hard for someone to say like, hey, Aaron, why do you love burritos? And I'm like, well, I guess I'll have to tell you. No, it's like, oh, I'll tell you the places in town that you should go to, right? It's something that's exciting. It's something that just comes out of my life. It's something that just overflows with everything that I do. But then I ask the question, um, is it much different when we think about our relationship with Jesus, right? Is there that love and that passion in our lives that just flows out of us, right? That when, when people come to us and look at us and, and ask us questions, we go, ah, this is who Jesus is in my life. This is what God has done for me. This is what my life is all about because it's been changed uh, by Jesus, right? Does it naturally flow out of our lives because it's something that fascinates us and challenges us and inspires us, right? Because those are the things that we love to share about, about what is happening in our lives. And I ask the question, do we do that with Jesus? And if we don't have any desire to talk about Jesus with the people around us, like you should probably take some time this week and think, well, why is that, right? Like, if I am a follower of Jesus, and Jesus is my life, why is that not something that I'm just excited to share with the people around me, right? Why is that, that it's not doing something in me that makes me want to share this good news of Jesus with others? But I think we have, like, some baggage from growing up from trying to figure out what it means to share Jesus to people, to do it in a way that's not like inappropriate or rude, right? And I think a lot of us, or at least for me, um, growing up, there were different ways that it was taught. Like, this is how you tell people about Jesus, and if you don't do it this way, you've done it wrong. And so then I would look at that and go like, that doesn't look good, or that doesn't work for me and my personality, um, and so then I would feel guilty about my relationship with Jesus because I'm not on the streets like that guy trying to just tell God, hey, these are the, the two commands that you can live by and, and God's going to love you, right? Like it was, it was hard for me. And so then all of a sudden I went, well, am I really doing what Jesus wants? Right? I, I started to feel like um, guilty about it. Or maybe you feel like you don't know the right answers. You don't have all the answers. So if, you're, if you tell your friend about it, or you talk to someone about how you love Jesus, and they say, well, what about this? And you go, I, I don't know, man. And then you feel like, well, I have to have all the answers. Right? And that's not true, but that's sometimes what goes through our minds. And I think that a big thing over the last month, James was speaking about the whole story of the Bible each week. Right? He was going through, like, uh, from creation to revelation, each week kind of helping us understanding the whole picture of scripture right so that we can be so that we can get a better understanding of what was god was doing throughout the eternity from from uh the beginning to what god's doing now until the future but one thing he said the very first week um, that really stood out to me that i want us to focus on is he said this 
understanding the gospel of Jesus is increasingly important as followers of Jesus. Understanding the gospel of Jesus is increasingly important as followers of Jesus. And I believe that's because the world around us today is growing further and more distant from knowing who Jesus is. Right? The world around us today, um, we are not growing up in a time uh, where people just come to church every time, all the time. Right? Growing up, it was kind of like everyone would go to church, and even if their family didn't go to church, you went with your grandma every once in a while, you would know the stories about Jesus, and that was just a part of our culture. But now we're getting to a place where if you start to talk to people, um, they might not have any church or any religious background at all, especially up here in the Northwest, where they don't know anything about Jesus. They don't know anything about who God is and what God has done for them. And so that makes it even more important for those who say we're followers of Jesus to understand and to know uh, who Jesus is so that we can clearly share that good news with others. And so today, I want us to take some time to look at what it means, what it means to have this good news from Jesus. We would call that the gospel. All right, so we're going to look at a couple verses and, and talk about this so that if someone comes up and asks you, hey, why do you go to church? Why do you go to church on Sunday? Hey, why do you live this way? Why do you um, call yourself a Christian? Instead of saying like, nah, I don't know, my pastor told me it'd be good to do, so that's what I do. Right? We actually have something um, to share with others. So we're going to look at this first verse in Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 1. This is the very beginning of Mark where he starts out sharing this way. He says, the beginning in the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So if you're thinking, okay, if someone comes and asks me, uh, what, what, do I, what do I think about Jesus? What do I think about the church? What do I think about God? This is the place that we could start. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then it continues on in verse 14 and 15. After uh, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news, and he says this, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe in the good news. The good news of Jesus begins with the kingdom of God coming near. Oftentimes, we might kind of get the story of the gospel a little confused. And sometimes, I was listening to one guy and he said it like this, your friends that don't go to church believe this about you as a follower of Jesus. He says, if you were to ask them, what do you think I believe as a Christian? Or what do you think I believe as a follower of Jesus? He said, most of the time it's a, a checks and balances system, right? Like you got to do so many good things over so many bad things, right? Like the more, if you've done more good things, then God is going to say like, okay, great. You go to the good place. And if you've done too many bad things, God's like, nah, good try. You're going to go to the bad place, right? And he said, that's what your friends who don't go to church and don't know God think what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But what we see here and what it's really about is that the kingdom of God, that God comes near to us. Right? It's not focused on us. 
It's not focused on, on our good and bad situation. And, and then it's all focused on what God has done and what God is doing. Right? If that is not the focus, I think we've missed or we, we've, we've kind of swayed off of what the gospel, the good news of Jesus really is. It starts with the kingdom of God coming near. And when we talk about that, we talk about his, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about God's reign and rule happening on our earth. And sometimes we look around and we think, man, like stuff in our world isn't going the way I thought it should, right? Like um, if you've been watching the news at all, like the, all that Brexit stuff is happening, right? Like their politics is crazy over there. What? Like America, we got to figure it out, right? But then those guys, they're crazy, like what are they doing? Like, God, why aren't you in control there, right? But the thing is, God is in control. And God does know what he's doing. And God is bringing us where he wants us to. But it hasn't fully come yet. Right? It's still in progress. But that thing, it started, God's kingdom started when Jesus came near. When Jesus was here on earth. It started when he was born. That God's kingdom established here on earth. And it's amazing that this is where the story begins and it happens all because God loves us. Right? John 3.16 is a verse you might have heard. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Right? He loves us and yet so often we think, or at least I know I do, I think about all the failures and the mistakes I've done and think, ah, there's no way that God loves me. There's no way that God cares about me because I keep screwing up. But we need to remind ourselves first and foremost that God loves us. That God loves you. And that God loves you and wants you to experience the peace and life he has to offer. He has this different way of life, this different way of living. And we have to say, um, yes, I see that's good, and I want to live in that. But that's hard for us to believe at times, to say that God's way is the best way, right? Sometimes I often choose my own ways over God's. And I'm saying, God, I think I can do it a little better. I, can, I, can, I, can, I got this life figured out pretty well. But usually when that happens, it's me failing. It's me screwing up. It's me falling into sin. But see, Jesus didn't come just to live on earth to show that he loves us. He takes it a step further. And we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians here. This is where Paul is writing, and he's speaking to these, this, this city called Corinth, and he, he's really trying to clarify to these people what Jesus was all about, what it was all about so that they were focused on what was most important. He says this, for what I received, I passed on to you as first important. This is the key thing, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried, and that Jesus was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas, or you would know him as Peter. And then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 
brothers and sisters at the same time. Right? For those of us who've been going to church, we, we've heard this story. And we know it, and we talk about it a lot. But think about it if you've never heard this story before. If you were actually trying to share this with a friend who didn't know, like this sounds crazy, right? That, that first it starts out that, that Christ died for our sins. Well, why would someone die for me, right? Like why would someone give up their life for mine, right? That first, that alone is pretty crazy to think about, that someone would be willing to give up their life. I think probably like that my parents, because they have to, I think, have to, would give up their lives for me. Not many others. My brother's got a, like a solid family. My little brother, he's got a family too, okay? And so like, they're like, ah, oh, Aaron, you've had a good life. I'll see, you know, like, right? Like, yeah, I could try. Maybe next time, right? But to think that someone is willing to die for me is crazy to think about. And then it gets even weirder, right? He was buried, okay? That makes sense. Uh-huh. that's what you do, and then he was raised three days later, right? That's not something that happens in our world, right? Think about this. You've heard this story a lot, but think about this for someone who maybe hasn't. This is strange. This is weird. And this is different from what we hear in our world today. But yet we see that the life in Jesus is the best life. And so when we say yes to Jesus, it's life changing. And when we say yes to Jesus, it should do something in us. It should, it should change the way we live. And he, and he does this. He lives and he dies and he's raised again because he loves us because he wants a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with you. And it says, back in the first verse in Mark, it says, all we have to do is repent and believe. Sometimes we turn this word repent into like, feel sorry for your sins. But what repent is all about is not just like, oh, I feel bad, I'm sorry, God, like I'll try again next week. Repenting is like, I realize that what I've done is 100% opposite of what God wants for me, and I don't want that for my life, so I'm going to turn and run the other way. Not just like, ah, I tried, I'll try again next week and ask for repentance. It's like, I see that that's destroying the relationship I have with Christ. I don't want that in my life anymore. And then to believe. And that's how we begin a relationship with Jesus. In Romans 10, 13, it says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what the good news of Jesus is all about. That's what the gospel story that we get to be a part of when we say yes to Jesus. This is the life and life to the full that Jesus offers us as we begin a relationship with God, right? And that is the good news, the amazing story that should be flowing out of us that we get to share with the people around us. 
right, that we believe that there is one way to grow and to join and grow in a relationship with God. And that that is the most important thing in our lives. Why would we not want to share that with others? But it doesn't just stop there. N.T. Wright is this biblical scholar. He's from the UK, so he sounds super smart. And uh, he says this. He says, we aren't chosen for our own sake, but for the sake of what God wants to accomplish through us. Right? Sometimes what happens is uh, we become followers of Jesus and then we go into like the like coast mode. Like, uh, okay, so what, what do I do now that I'm a follower of Jesus? Come to church on Sundays, and that's it. And that, that's it. And for some of us, maybe that's where we're at. Maybe that's the step we've taken, and we've said, hey, I'm going to try to make it to church every week, or once a month for some of us here, right? Like, I, I'm just going to try to make that. And that's awesome. But God has so much more for us that God wants to do through us into the lives of others. In the very end of Matthew, Jesus' final words in the book of Matthew, it says that we are called to go and make disciples, to teach them everything that Jesus taught the disciples. And then he says, I am with you to the very end of the age. We are called to go out and to spread out into our community and actually be little Christ. That's what Christians means to be little Christ in our world today. Um, I did youth ministries for a while, and I always use the example. I, I, I really like it, so I'm telling you now. Um, okay, so we got like God up here, all right? Then you got uh, you over here, all right? You got God and you. What we're called to do as Christians is be, uh, have this mirror in between us, right? Where when, we, when people look at us, they see an image of God. Right? When people look at our lives, it's like a reflection and it's pointed out to Jesus. And it says, when they look at our lives, they say, ah, that's a little bit of what it looks like to be Jesus in our world today. So that when we look at Jesus, Jesus is spread out to our world. That is what our lives as Christians look like or should. But for some reason, like I said, it gets difficult to share this good news of Jesus. And why is that so? Right? For me, growing up, there was kind of like this one way you tell people about Jesus. Right? You have this memorized script. If you got off the script, you've screwed up, you failed, they're going to hell. All right? So like, keep to it. All right? And you've probably heard the script, Right? There's the big canyon in, on the page, right? You're on one side, and there's a big canyon, and God's on the other side. And you go, well, there's no way I can get across there. Oh, wait. But all of a sudden, a cross drops down. It's in the canyon. You got to climb over the top of the cross, and you make, it over to G you make it over to God, right? And that was kind of the thing. And it was like, you find everyone you can, and, and don't get me wrong, that's true, and it's good, but the method of how we were called and told to do that, I think, was uh, done poorly, at least in my circumstances. It was like, find anyone who you can and share that with them and tell that with them. Just kind of puke it on them and let them go, right? That's what you do, right? Like you drive up to McDonald's, you got, they got like three seconds with you, 
you got three seconds to say that, and you're good, right? And that's what it was for me. And if you didn't do that, you failed God, right? And so um, I think it's kind of funny if we were to use that illustration with people today, I think when they're on this side of the canyon and they see God over there, they're like, I'm fine here, right? Like, I don't really need God. I'm, I'm a middle-class American. I don't really, there's no point of going over there. I'm good on this side of the, the island. And so all of a sudden you go, well, no, look, there's a canyon. It's scary. And they go, no, I'm good. And you're like, oh, snap, now what do I do? <laughs> I'm off the script. That's not the rules, okay? Um, but there's another thing, too, is that I think that there's times that we also, um, it kind of like the, the pendulum swung the other way, where instead of just going out and kind of like say these things, make them believe, it moved, and we, in high school, there was this saying that kind of came out and said, uh, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Again, it has this great meaning behind it that we're called to live out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But in actuality, it just meant live your life and hopefully someone will look at you and say, I want to follow Jesus today, right? But the problem is our lives don't look that much different from people who don't follow Jesus, which is another whole sermon in itself. But because like Aaron wakes up, he goes to the coffee shop, he reads some books, he goes home, he plays some video games, right? Like, it's not that much different, right? My neighbor, right, we're doing the same things. And so for someone to go like, Aaron, you read that book really well, you must be a Christian, right? Hasn't happened yet, okay? I, read, I try to read big books and stuff, nothing, okay? And so, right, it's like, we have this idea, okay, just go live your life, and people are going to all of a sudden become followers of Jesus because how awesome you live life, I think there's something good there, but I think that, like I said earlier, if Jesus is a part of our lives, it should change how we live. It should change the direction of our lives. And I think that is a way that we can share and in relationships with one another, share who God is in our lives. And so there's this guy, his name's Michael Frost. He writes books and he writes a blog still, so it's pretty awesome. He has this book called Surprise the World. And in his opening chapter, it says, Christians need to live questionable lives. He says, we need to become godly, intriguing, socially adventurous, and joyous presence in the lives of others. Joyous presence in the lives of others, then we need to, de to develop a new set of rhythms and habits that foster a missional lifestyle that intrigues others. That our lives actually look different from the people around us because we are followers of Jesus. Because when we say yes to Jesus, it changes us. It should change our focus. It should change our motivations. Our, our, we have a different nature, a different heart desire because we say yes to Jesus. So I want to talk about two different habits that I think we can start to establish in our lives that are really simple and easy and may seem like not much, but I think can lead us somewhere great.
And the first one is to be a blessing to the people around us. Take time out of your week to find someone and encourage them, right? To just through words of affirmation, acts of kindness or gifts, right? It may not seem like a lot, but in our world today, it's radical to take time out of your day and focus on someone else, right? There was this picture and this um, video that was going around online, and it was a picture, a, a photographer would just kind of like, was walking on the street and say, ask a random person like, hey, can I take your photo? So boom, they would snap their photo. And then right before she was going to take the second one, she, she would say, you're beautiful. And all of a sudden, each person's photo, their eyes light up, they smile, and there's this like joy that you can see that's radiating out of them just because someone was willing to say, you're beautiful. And they have this picture, and it's awesome to see the differences that happens there. And it's just because someone is willing to say something opposite of what the world tells us. The world says, you're not good enough, you don't look right, you need to change yourself, you need to keep working on yourself. So when someone comes along and says, you're beautiful as you are, it's, it's radical. Now, I'm not saying you can just walk around and tell people beautiful and they'll be like, you must be a follower of Jesus, right? But it's, it's this idea of taking time out of our lives and investing in others, looking for ways that we can encourage and lift up and being known as a generous person. I think that's one way that we can start to live godly and intriguing lives in our world today. And the second big one is that we're called to eat with people, to have a meal or to grab a coffee with someone, to take out some time to, again, look at someone else, to focus on someone else. What's awesome is that eating together has been the central practice of Christianity since the very beginning. Uh, this guy named Tim Chester, he wrote in a book, he says, when Jesus talks about himself, he calls himself the son of man. And in the New Testament, Jesus, as he's describing to himself, the son of man comes to this world for three different reasons in the New Testament. The first one is, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. And the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Right? We probably would have said, yeah, those sound good. The third one is, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Right? That's my kind of God right there. Right? Like, he knows how to have a good time. Right? And I love when we look at the life of Jesus, he's doing this with everyone. He's doing this with, uh, like, the religious leaders of his day that he's actually kind of calling out. He does this with, like, the big sinners. I think of, like, Zacchaeus. He goes over to Zacchaeus' house, who's like, this evil guy in the town, he has a meal with him, and Zacchaeus' life has changed forever just because Jesus is willing to step out of his day and go invest in the life of others through having a meal with someone. I think we're called to find people to go and have a meal with them. Like I said, I love burritos, okay? Uh, I thought that was funny. <laughs> uh, but when we eat together, we're able to share stories. Right? When we eat together, there's something that happens there that we're able to share our lives 
as someone else shares theirs. That we can open up and be in relationship. I have this one guy, I've known him for about uh, probably four years. Um, he lives up in Dallas. And we meet about once a month. And we go and grab a coffee and lunch together. And we just get together and share about our lives and how things are going. Right? And you think meeting once a month, that, that can't be a great relationship. But the things that we talk about is just so honest and so like just willing to pour ourselves out there because we're dealing with things. And so I think that's something that God calls us into. Is that we can be going out, investing in the lives of others, and starting conversations with them. There's a book in the back actually at the go-kart that's called More Ready Than You Realize. And it's all about talking about how we can move from like a sales pitch of, of trying to sell Jesus to people to more of a, a conversation where it starts with friendships. And it's an awesome book. It's like super easy to read and the chapters are like two pages. So like you can say you read like three, page, or three chapters in a day and sound really smart. And so that's where I think we're called to do. To start to invest in the lives of others, to share our experiences. Because that way, the other person, the other people, will be open and willing to share their lives as well. Because if we're not willing to share first, uh, they're not, they're not going to willing to open up. And so we have to be vulnerable and share what we're going through, what God has been doing in our lives, so that we have the opportunity to share with them about what God can do in their lives. I would love for you to take some time this week, um, just first and foremost, to remind yourself that God loves you. That's something I think we can wake up every day and try to remind ourselves, that God loves me. He wants a relationship with me. He's done some amazing things so that I can have a relationship with him. That no matter what your past looks like, God wants a relationship right now. And he wants it to grow and he wants it to continue. And then I think we're also called to live questionable lives that point, that point others towards God. Live lives that are intriguing and exciting and different so that when people look at us and we have these conversations, we always point back to God. Because when we put God on display through our lives, I think that's when we'll see people drawn to Him. Let's make sure that we're blessing those around us and known for our generosity. Because then we're able to share how we know someone who's more generous and gracious in the life of God, in the life of Jesus. Let's stand as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your love. That you were willing to send your son to die to take on my sins because you love me and that you overcame those uh, death and then now we can live eternal because we have relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in my life. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives here at the Grove. No matter what situation we're in right now, you want to connect with us. You want us to grow with you. 
And Lord, I pray that we are so excited about who you are and what you've done that that just flows out of our lives into the people around us. Let us not be afraid or ashamed because we know that you are here with us right now. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for that. We have the opportunity to be a part of your story. That we get to share the good news to the world around us. In your holy and precious name, amen.